a listener production. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Broadsheet Melbourne Around Town. I'm Nick Connellan, Broadsheet's Publications Director, filling in for Kutcher Vuktor. With me in the studio today, I have Audrey Payne, Melbourne's food and drink editor. She's going to be discussing Past Lives, a directorial debut from South Korean filmmaker Celine Song, which many are calling an Oscar frontrunner. But first, we're headed over to Brunswick, the Sydney Road, to talk about a brand new Japanese cafe there, Luna by Hikari. Luna by Hikari is a follow-up to another cafe in the CBD. Audrey, what's the cafe in the CBD about? Yeah, Hikari is a really, really tiny. It is a hole in the wall just down from Melbourne Central towards Flinders Street. And what does it specialise in? So they specialise in matcha. Matcha, for people who don't know, is like a powdered green tea from Japan. Um, you order your matcha, you might get a snack, and then you kind of have to get out because it's really, really tiny. I understand that the new one, Luna by mm-hmm. Hikari, is much more expansive mm-hmm. and it's got a few different things going on. Yeah, so Luna by Hikari is on Sydney Road in Brunswick, just near the Bunnings, and they're really focused on coffee. So they have pour-overs from 10 different roasteries in Japan, which is really exciting, and they have a much bigger space, so you can actually spend some time there, sit down. What's really cool, I think, is at the front of the cafe, they have a bench where you can just kind of watch the baristas do their thing. They're paying really close attention to the pour-overs, so you can kind of see the concentration in their faces. There's a really great shot that goes with the story online of someone just so focused on this coffee. And they have a bit of a back room where you can linger, spend a bit more time, really kind of camp out. The Japanese coffee thing's mm. interesting. I think living in Melbourne and Australia, we can be very inward focused mm-hmm. because our coffee here is so fantastic. But um, as I understand it, the Japanese coffee scene is also really renowned around the world as being really good. So it'd be really exciting to try some of those different roasts. Yeah. And actually, I'm curious to get, I guess, your opinion on this because we in the office have had some conversations about how coffee has been undervalued. And these aren't, you know, they're not cheap coffees. They start at $10. I think if you think about the work and attention that goes into it, to me, it's worth it. If you like, not an everyday kind of thing, but if a bit of a treat. No, I'm, I'm definitely on board with mm. that. And I think particularly if we're, we're talking about coffees that have been imported from Japan, mm-hmm. it's always going to be more expensive, isn't it? Um, than something that's been done locally. Yeah. And particularly if it is a really high grade coffee, um, a, you know, a single lot specialty Mm -hmm. coffee or something like that. Yeah. I think what's exciting about this space versus the original cafe is that because they do have a lot more room, they're also planning to do dinners in future and they're hoping to set up a sake bar. So really cool to see the team kind of establish themselves over in the city and now that they have a bit more space, really run free with some of the bigger ideas that they've had. Yeah, that's actually a good mm. segue. So what what is there to eat right now in, yes. the, in the daytime? <laughs> so right now I've been recommended by so many people the katsu sandwiches. There's a prawn katsu sandwich, which I'm told is a real textural treat, like that really fluffy kind of white bread that you see in a lot of the Japanese or I guess more broadly like Asian sandwiches. And then kind of a perfectly crisp outside on the prawn and then a really tender inside. So like those three textures kind of playing with each other. Um, there's also a strawberry chiffon cake, which in the story we describe as being emoji-like, and it really is. It looks like the classic cake that when you type into your keyboard, cake. <laughs> <laughs> it just looks like that. Like I can't think of a better way to describe it. 
And they've also got other sweets on the menu too, don't they? They do. So they have a strawberry wrapped in red bean paste, matcha cream, and then mochi, um, which if you get the cross section of it, it's probably something that people might have seen on Instagram. Like it's this very beautiful, almost looks like a, if you cut open, like a peach and you get those three segments. Um, And then there's also a yuzu cheesecake, which yuzu, I'm sure people have seen popping up everywhere. It's a Japanese citrus and um, just adds a really nice kind of tangy finish to things. Yeah, and I noticed as well they're using that yuzu citrus in their coffee. They're doing Mm. a yuzu spritz, which sounds really yummy. Yeah, and it's cool too. Like I feel that I've noticed a lot of these cafes kind of come out with specialty coffee drinks in the past few years. So like a lot of cold brewery spritzes with citrus and Espresso tonic. Espresso tonic, orange and coffee, such a classic combination. So Yuzu kind of plays a similar role. Yeah. And they're also doing some more kind of traditional lunchy dishes, right? They um, also have the mentaiko, which is rice with codro in the middle and it's wrapped in seaweed. And they also have a vegetarian version of that as well. And they have those at Hikari um, because they're pretty good grab-and-go snacks. Sounds fantastic. Can't wait to go and mm-hmm. check it out. Luna by Hikari is at 458 Sydney Road, Brunswick, and it's open Monday to Friday, 9am till 3pm, and on weekends from 9am till 4pm. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Nick. If you've seen Oppenheimer, donned your finest pink for Barbie, and made an appropriately cute vid of your cinema trip for Wes Anderson's Asteroid City, maybe you're looking for another movie recommendation. Broadsheet's Audrey Payne can't rave enough about a film she saw earlier this year at Melbourne International Film Festival, which was Celine Song's Past Lives. So this is Celine Song's feature directorial debut. It's been talked about as an Oscars favourite since its debut at the Sundance Film Festival in January. What did you love about it? I loved that the film kind of unfolded in a very unexpected way, especially having been watching the trailers pretty much since January when it first came out. It is sold almost like a love triangle, but I would say it's more of just a story of these people as they move through time. Like there isn't the kind of romantic will they, won't they, that I think I was definitely expecting going into it. And um, this movie, you know, it's set in three parts. So I was lucky enough to speak to Celine when she was in town for Myth. Um, And when I spoke to her about it, she was kind of saying it was a story in three goodbyes. So it follows Nora, who's played by Greta Lee, who I've loved for ages. She was in Girls for a couple episodes. She's on Morning Wars. She's in Russian Doll. And I think people who've been following her career for a long time have really been waiting for her to get this kind of leading role in a film. So basically it tracks her and Sung as they go through three different stages in their lives. They're both childhood friends. Nora's family moves to Canada um, and then she moves to New York to be a playwright. They kind of reconnect over Skype and then finally in person. So the movie's told in those three chapters. Gotcha. And what's the connection to um, Celine Song's life? There is one there, isn't there? Yeah. So it's interesting. Like she described it almost as a work of autofiction. So that literary genre where people kind of blur the lines between real life and fiction. She had a similar story, like was from South Korea. Her family moved to Canada. She then moved to New York. She herself is a playwright and now a screenwriter and director. Um, And she also mentioned she had this moment with her childhood sweetheart and her American husband. And they were all sitting at a bar in New York together and kind of 
that was the first scene of the movie. And she said she like distinctly remembered sitting there feeling like it was something special happening between the three of them and feeling that she would distill it into a film. So it is very personal. But then she was also very um, firm in saying that it wasn't, you know, directly what happened in real life. It's not reality. No, it's not. Yeah. So how does this tie back to Korean cinema feels like it's Mm -hmm. been really on the rise in the West in the past kind of 10 years or something. How does it compare to some of those big hits like um, Parasite and Burning? Yeah, well, compared to Parasite and Burning, it's a lot less anxiety-inducing, at least in my mind. I think what's cool is that because Korean cinema has had this kind of, it's become very common in Western society for people to go see Korean movies. Those directors are finally getting their flowers in the West. Um, She mentioned that, you know, when she was trying to sell the movie, because the movie is in Korean and English, that didn't seem to be a barrier, whereas she said that maybe trying to get something like this made five years ago might not have been the same situation. Like, people were really actually chasing her for this script and wanting to make it, which is cool. And what did she say to you about, I guess, the the doors and the opportunities this has opened for her? So she did tease that she's working on a new project, but um, we spoke during the writer strike, so she wasn't really able to talk about what exactly that was. But there is another film coming. Great. So this is a name that we should be kind of looking out for in the future. Definitely. I think, you know, you mentioned in the intro, there's been a lot of Oscar buzz, especially um, for screenplay and same for Greta Lee in the leading actress race. Um, Yeah. And I think just talking to her really helped frame the movie and kind of gave a lot of insight into the thought that went behind things that you don't really notice. Like there's a scene at the end where Nora is walking Sung to an Uber and she kind of described it as like a timeline and these two characters moving towards the past almost. And it's these like subtle things that you don't necessarily pick up on. But once she explained it, it kind of, at least for me, helped me realize why I had a certain response to the film, like the intention behind it. Past Lives in Cinemas from August 31. Thank you so much, Audrey, for coming in. Thanks, Nick.